What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Mr. Miggity Mac, and with me tonight is my co-host and bestie best, Dr. Diamond Duh. Triple D. Quick reminder, you can find us on AdventuresInVideoLand.com or on our Facebook at Adventures in Video Land. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. Mm, you know. That's not really our mm -hmm. style, so we'll try to keep this rated... What do you say, PG-13? Yeah, mild profanity and artistic nudity. That's one one side boob. Just the one. Also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause this episode, go watch the movie, and come back later. With that said, tonight we'll be talking about season, season 7 Pantheon nomination number 2, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, nominated by Jeremy Clifford, with guest voter, yours truly, Gary Miggity Mac McFall. Before we get to any of that, let's chat about Pantheon. Mm -hmm. Triple D, in your own words, what is Pantheon? Sure, in my own words, Pantheon movies hit on all cylinders. Acting, directing, script, score, cinematography, special effects. They are essential viewing, best of its genre. Some might even say that it's the special shelf of movies. The special shelf. And sometimes they even have an X factor that pushes them over the edge. Right over the edge. Now, uh, as far as voting is concerned with the Adventures in Videoland for Pantheon, there's nine members of the AV Council. Every three weeks, a council member nominates a movie. They do a write-up on the movie. Everyone else votes yes or no with their own write-ups on the movie that you can see on the Facebook page. There's a guest voter, and there's a Facebook poll that counts all as one if the yeses are more than the noes mm -hmm. which it gives you a total of 11 votes each movie needs a two-thirds majority which is seven votes to get in now uh, the math checks out all right let's talk about the previous votes this season yeah. uh, well it was just the one teenage mutant ninja turtles eight out of 11 made it into it pantheon in pantheon so, for all time if you if you were ever thinking like oh i know what pantheon is these hoity-toity movies nope not particularly not necessarily and you know when i say pantheon for all time when humans are no longer on the earth it'll still be there if somebody got on the internet <laughs> and looked up pantheon they would find teenage mutant ninja turtles yep i don't know who that someone would be but anyway all right Let's start off with a little bit of foreplay. Oh, yeah. Nothing foreplay. like a little foreplay. Uh, how about coming of age mm -hmm. favorites? Movies of coming of age. What do you think? You know, so I was thinking about this earlier because uh, the uh, perks of uh, being a wallflower fits in this coming of age movie uh, genre for sure. And many of the comments that we saw on Facebook were about coming of age movies. Um, for myself, I was kind of looking and thinking about. What would happen for me between, say, 5th and ninth grade? Sure. Movies that I would watch between 5th and ninth grade mm -hmm. about life as a high schooler. Because I'm looking ahead. Right. Um, and the movies that kind of hit for me in my timeline are Stand By Me. And then there's also some other films that are John Hughes classics. Sure. Um, that Sixteen Candles. Ferris Bueller's a little bit of... A little bit older than that, mm -hmm. but some kind of wonderful sure hits in that spot. Sure. Um, 
but there is kind of like a, a dead zone of, of uh, coming of age movies that happens in that special little block right there. I think that you would probably have a couple more of them because there are some that happened late seventies, early eighties, and then then started picked up again in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, for me, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was a big one. While it's seen as a comedy, I see it as a coming of age. It was a big transition movie yeah. for the characters. Um, uh, especially Cameron. Especially I mean, yes, Cameron. for Ferris, but especially for Cameron. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, the Breakfast Club, uh, which didn't make it into Pantheon, but it is a, a big coming-of-age movie. But, you know, even The Karate Kid is a coming-of-age movie. Uh, it's a big trans- transitory transit time for him as he's moving into mm-hmm. uh, adulthood. You know, those are the ones that, that stand out. Uh, just just without without doing a deep dig into my yeah. into my memory, those are the ones that really pop to the top. And as you said, you know um, uh, those Molly Ringwald movies, uh, Sixteen Candles and Pretty in Pink, especially uh, Footloose. Yeah, boom! It's right in that. Now right in that more spot. recent, and I've got a copy of it because I, I appreciate it a lot. But it it happened well after I had already come of age. Was super bad. <laughs> Which is a, a gross-out film, but it is also that it, it's a coming-of-age film. Certainly. But it's on that comedic side rather than the dramatic side that we're Correct. looking at here. Yep. And then um, there's a movie that I can I never remember the name of it. And I'll go ahead and bring it up, even though I can't recall the name. Our listeners may just get it right off the bat. It also happens to be Maude Ringwald. But she and her boyfriend uh, go off on a trip on the, on, the, on the sly, and she ends up pregnant. Hmm. And uh, the the reason why it's a coming of age movie for me is that she's, uh, you know, she's being forced into adulthood without really uh, being anywhere ready for it. Yeah. And um, the the uh, the issues that that a, that a young seventeen eighteen year old uh, couple would face with that, and then of course decide to have a child, you know, be parents and so on. That's like a big, big uh, transition time for them. So. I see that in that. I see it in that same slot. The difference with this particular movie is the tone. It is, it's it is. It's got comedic elements, but it's also it, it is very much a drama. It is a drama. It's it a is very also serious. focusing on uh, the introverted population mm-hmm. rather than the extroverted yeah, population. Yeah, that's right. That's um, correct. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's talk about the perks of being a wallflower. <clears throat> Uh, some little movie facts, a little synopsis here. It is rated PG-13. It is a romance uh, drama uh, directed by Stephen Chbosky. 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 Screenplay by the same gentleman, Stephen Chbosky, based on a book by the same uh, the same gentleman uh, of the same name, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Produced by uh, Leanne ha- uh, Hafton, Russell Smith, John Malkovich. Uh, music by Michael Brook. Cinematography by Andrew Dunn, who did Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, I included that little tidbit because right. we were talking earlier this week about, uh, oh, you've got a baby. Yeah. In a, in a bar. bar. <laughs> <laughs> he did lots of other stuff, but the, yeah. But yeah. Uh, edited by Mary Jo Markey, who did Star Trek and some Star Wars work as well. In theater September 21st in 2012, at least in the U.S. Runtime, uh, 103 minutes. Back when uh, an hour and a half movie was the standard almost, yeah. as opposed to these two and a half, three, four hour movies. Uh, studio, Mr. Mud Productions. Uh, uh, it's produced... run by the three producers yeah. of the movie, who also gave us the movie Juno. Juno, that's correct. And distributed by Summit Entertainment. It's starring Logan Lerman, Emma Watson, Ezra Miller, Mae Whitman, Kate, Wal- Kate Walsh, Dylan McDermott, Joan Cusack, who, by the way, 
I didn't. I I I heard the voice, and I did. I could tell who the voice was, and I could not place that face with that voice. She yeah. was almost unrecognizable to me. Just an amazing uh, 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 dive into the character she did. And Paul, that wasn't a criticism, by the way. Yeah. She was just all into the character. And Paul Rudd, uh, who seems to be popping up in almost every movie I watch nowadays. Sure, sure. There he is. So a little synopsis off of IMDb. An introvert freshman is taken under the wings of two seniors who welcome him to the real world, and they try to draw him out into uh, into the real world. All right, some ratings and reviews. IMDb, 7.9 out of 10. Metacritic, 67 on 36 reviews with a user score of 8.6. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 85% fresh with an 89% audience score. And Google, 91% of users like it. So a few reviews, Rotten Tomato reviews. Let's start with uh, Violet uh, Luca from the Film Comment Magazine. Yeah, she I rated picked it. some two heavy hitters two from heavy this. hitters. Violet Luca and David Walsh. Yeah, from World Socialist website. Yeah. But we'll get to Mr. Walsh. Uh, Violet says, it's fresh. Like real teenagers, Watson and Miller convincingly move from glowing objects of desire to comic relief to deeply troubled human beings. On the bottom end, you got David Walsh from World Socialist website with a rotten score. He was uh, there was a number of other I'm sorry. ones. Sorry, I just chuckle at the name of the website. Oh yeah, it's, it's not it's, only it's not only website one word. It's web space site. site. Just so you know, I, I envisioned the white label can uh, with the black letters that just say green beans. It says it's the movies. <laughs> World Socialist. <laughs> website movie just so you know what it is anyway he says rotten yeah. go ahead i picked this one just for you okay because uh, i knew that your heart would be, find joy in, in, <laughs> in the silliness of the title uh david walsh says the result while generally pleasant is neither compelling nor memorable enough the figures and situations are somewhat familiar generic rounded off I'm assuming that's what his voice sounds like. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I, I suspect it probably yeah. does. Yeah, so on Metacritic, uh, Amy, wow, Biancoli? Yeah, sure. Sure, Biancoli. Uh, rated it 100. Well, just to be clear, Metacritic yes. gives yeah, that's right. numbers to, to reviews. The, I forgot. They yeah, gave, yeah. Metacritic gave her review a 100. I apologize. Yeah. She's from the San Francisco Chronicle. The perks of being a wallflower, wallflower hurts. It hurts because it depicts the loneliness, anxiety, and all-out quivering mess of adolescence in a manner not often seen since John Hughes' heyday. We'll come back to the yeah, John Hughes yeah. reference later, but yes, there it is. Roger Ebert's Chicago Sun-Times, uh, they ranked this as an 88. It offers the rare pleasure of an author directing his own book and doing it well. No one who loves the book will complain about the movie, and especially not about its near-ideal casting. Alrighty there. David Fear from Time Out, they rated his a 40. Uh, you can feel Chbosky's blood, sweat, and tears oozing out of this highly personal project, but that holy trinity of fluids isn't enough. Isn't enough to wash away the sense that you've seen this before. Many, many, many times. Holy Trinity of fluids, blood, sweat, and tears. That's a that is a that's a Mr. Fear, sir. 
You are a wordsmith. <laughs> you are a wordsmith. <laughs> now, uh, so some fun. Metacritic hoi polloi reviews, 8.6. One of my favorite phrases, hoi polloi. 611 positive, 44 mixed, 21 negative. I'm going to start at the bottom and work our way up. Okay. Navy Bean. Oh, Navy, Navy Bean. Gave it a one. Oh. I'm sorry I disliked this movie so much. I liked the music, and the first ten minutes are quite promising, but there's never anything at stake, and the characters all come across as shallow cliches of characters we've seen a million times before. Oh. I wouldn't say there's nothing at stake. Like, the stakes are pretty high I mean, I mean, for, they for, the are, main, for they, Charlie. They are. And, if you yeah. think of Charlie not as a real person, but as a character in a movie. Yeah. Right? But, yeah... I, that's the willful I, suspension of disbelief one needs to have in order to, to watch have. a movie. Yep. That they are playing characters. That, that they are real people. And those characters are indeed characters. Yes. For real. Scarecrow007 gave it a six. Don't get me wrong, I liked the perks of being a wallflower, but with all the recommendations and high praise this movie was getting, I thought I would like it more. I see on the horizon the glow just, just peeking over the horizon of someone special. I know this it has been a long time, oh, man. It's like a drought. When we've been going through the Hoi Polloi critics, uh, the user reviews that we have seen neither hide nor hair of one of our favorites and 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 dare I say the name, but you know who's next? I think Mr. Miggity Merrick. Both of our listeners will know exactly who we're talking about. Let's give a shout out. One, two, three, two. Spangle! Oh man, Spangle's back after a, just an extended oh. vacation from our uh, our comments. I have so uh, missed Gave you, it a nine. He said, God, I love this film. Rarely do I watch a film and be left sitting there with chills and nothing but a stupid smile as I think of a, how this one film affirmed my love for film and showed me truly how powerful a medium it can be at times as a sh as a whole it's truly just a powerful and moving film that is leaving me speechless right now brilliantly written directed and acted the only problem i can truly think of for this one that keeps it from being perfect film for me is that as honest a portrayal of life for wallflowers as it is it can become a little idealistic and a little unrealistic and he goes on but uh we're cut for time right yeah but, but that's the, that's the gist of of what uh spangle and gist is one of the fluids of the, the <laughs> that, holy trinity of the, fluids right that is a nickname for yeah. one of the holy trinity of fluids that is correct all right how about some of the comments from our av facebook uh, all right. uh viewers so why don't you start off with the first one? Oh, the the ever verbose Alessio Pasquale. Now, I, if you don't mind, I mean, I really like Alessio Pasquale, but but sometimes he gets a little long-winded. So, yeah. well, you know what? Forget it. Just read. I'll the, read the entire read comment the entire, that he as wrote. written. Yes. Great, Joshua McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> Not much to say on this one. I can't get into coming-of-age tales, and this didn't change things for me, since it's more a personal preference thing than a. It does or doesn't deserve Pantheon matter. I will just abstain from voting. Good luck to whoever wants it to get in, though. There you go. Yeah. Lisa Fernandez, we accept the love we think we deserve, as a quote from the movie. Mm -hmm. So many great quotes and music in this one. I compare it to what Pretty in Pink was to the 80s with darker subject matter. Ezra Miller, Emma Watson, Logan Lerman, they all shine. Paul Rudd, Dylan McDermott, Mae Whitman, great cast. Sorry, I'm just, I'm still just 
uh, pondering Josh McLaughlin's abstention. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's fair. He says, like, I don't like anything in this genre, right. so, so I'm going to stay away my from vote's it. Just, yeah, just my vote's not that. <clears throat> yeah. Chad Smith, Chad E. Smith, I apologize, said, I remember reading the book and loved it. I think it. the E stands for ever loving. Chad, ever loving Smith? Yeah. Chad, ever loving Smith. Chad, you can tell us if we're right or wrong on this one, but Chad, ever loving Smith, here's uh, Mr. Miggity Mac, go ahead and. Read his. Um, Mr. Everloving Smith says, I remember reading the book and I loved it. I watched the movie and although it didn't follow the book exactly, I loved it as well. Drew Knapple. I love this movie. Heidi Marie Mel Mellon says, I adored the book and even though the book is <clears throat> almost always better, I adored this movie. John Shippey said, I'm going to be a little harsh and I know uh, we'll probably be the minority. I found this movie very unremarkable. Not sure why I didn't connect with it. It just seemed to pile on and didn't seem too believable. B bringing awareness to mental health was a good thing, but mental health issues has been done better and more believably in so many more movies. Some of the characters were not likable to me when it seems like the movie wanted you to like them. I left the movie saying, meh. And then in a conversation following that, mm -hmm. that uh, Brad had asked him, hey, what are your top movies that deal with mental health and uh he said off the top of my head a beautiful mind one floor of the cooker's nest what's he reading gilbert grape i am sam i could keep going yeah yeah so those are some other mental health movies for you right there sure randall harris said i don't even get why it's nominated i barely remember it mike jones and that's how you, that was the pronunciation guide that I, I followed for for that. If you put Mike Jones, oof. So I have only recently read the book and watched the film for the first time. They both spoke to me on profound ways. The book more so, however, in any case, I saw so much of my high school experience in this. Every character had a counterpoint in my real life. Had I read and seen this years ago before I processed my own trauma, it would have broken me for certain. I generally feel nostalgia can be toxic, but in this case it works. I ended feeling infinite, which wow. is how the movie ends. Powerful. Uh, Jenna Cox, I need to think about this one. I feel like my feelings about the book are going to make me biased. Which is an interesting way to think about it. Sure. For sure. sure. And then Scott Herdliska, I like it a lot, but no. Uh, no. So I think one thing that I noticed reading <clears throat> through these was... It was a few in the middle. The one abstention that we yeah. pointed out, Josh was an extension, abstention, but he didn't say neither yes nor no. What he said was, it wouldn't be fair for me to vote. Not the same as, meh, I don't care either way, right? Yeah. There were very few I don't care either ways. People tended to connect with the movie and yeah. like it. This movie spoke to me because I had my own personal trauma or, or I, I dealt know with stuff or I, know or I understand. Yeah, this is like Mike's, yeah. But, uh, or, or they were like, nah. Nah, this movie was right. Meh. Yeah, and I wonder uh, about a, a comfort level that uh, whether feeling uncomfortable, not just with the subject matter, but with the the tone, the feeling of the movie, can occasionally make you feel like uh, it's not my kind of movie, you know. Or now there's this thing, uh, resonant frequencies. Like there if you go. go to the back of a backside of a piano and you hum. A singular note the piano will sing back to you that yep. same note as the strings mm -hmm. resonate with the the tone that you're, yeah. you're giving it's and good. I feel like with movies that there are 
movies that have resonant frequencies right. that like i mean we use the word that it resonates, it with, resonates us, with me but this is the concept of resonance is that that we have a frequency that's coming off and that something else catches that frequency and now exists in the same frequency mm-hmm. cycle and wave mm-hmm. um and i think that there are some people that definitely that it resonated with them yeah. and that there's some people that might have also they might feel comfortable with trauma they might or they might have experienced this but this movie just didn't sing in a way that made sense to them yep and i could see how it either doesn't resonate with them at all or it does resonate with them and that's not something that might be uncomfortable yeah Yeah. and so they set it aside and 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 actually we were headed the same direction there with that comment Let's talk about how the movie did. Receipts. Uh, the Perks of Being a Wallflower came out again in October 2012. You keep wanting to say wildfire. Wildfire. I know. <laughs> I've said wildfire. <laughs> no, I apologize. And I love you for it. The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of vowels that you're chewing. Wildflower. I have a very, very full mouth. In any, in any <laughs> With case. With a production budget of $13 million, <laughs> domestic gross $17.7 million, but worldwide... 33.4 in 2012 the average ticket price was seven dollars 96 cents at least here in the u.s which gives us our patented trademarked and reserved calculation we call it the butts in seats index it's just the domestic gross divided by the average ticket price that year of 2.24 million and well we use, below and and for standard standardization yes. Yes. We use Box Office Mojo's list of mm-hmm. movie prices, mm-hmm. uh, average movie prices, so yep. that we can compare apples to apples. Apples to apples, and we also use a BSI uh, index. We call it we call it the Fight Club standard, mm-hmm. which is seven point three million people but, butts, butts and, and seats. Seven point three. So while this is significantly below the Fight Club standard, it was a profitable movie, uh, especially in the global distribution. So we'll look at a movie that's about twice the flight fight club standard since you brought that up mm-hmm. the fault in our stars out june 8 2014 126 minutes josh boone the stand, several episodes of the stand yeah. that's right production budget 12 million dollars not too uh not too heavy of a real a close budget. to the same budget in fact domestic gross 124 million dollars or up to almost almost 125 domestic so uh 10 times and worldwide then 307 million very mm-hmm. successful average ticket price that year in 2014 eight dollars and 17 cents which gives us a bsi of 15.3 million which is just over double two fight clubs two fight clubs <laughs> yeah we mentioned two... we mentioned in standard fight club units yeah. That's correct. Juno, a coming-of-age movie that uh, was overlooked, I think, by many when it came out, but it has become more popular, I believe. came out December 25th, Christmas Day, 2007. 96 minutes. It was directed by Jason Reitman, who most recently directed Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm -hmm. Of course, from a famous Ghostbusters family. Uh, Production budget, $7.5 million. Uh, Domestic gross, $143.5 million. Uh, worldwide, two hundred thirty-two point four million dollars BSI, with an average ticket price of six dollars eighty-eight cents that year, twenty point eight million. Just to keep in mind, Perks of Being a Wallflower was two point two four million. Yes, BSI. So about about ten, ten times. times more. Yeah, close. Silver Linings Playbook, uh, 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 another movie that dealt with. 
these kind of issues, uh, whether it's mental health, uh, addiction, that sort of thing. Uh, not that I'm lumping them together. I'm saying dealing yep. with em uh, emotional uh, issues. December 25th, 2012, it was a 95-minute movie directed by David O. Russell. He did Three Kings, American Hustle. Uh, Three Kings, one of my favorite of all time movies, to be honest with you, is a little bit of a guilty pleasure. Mm -hmm. Some people rip on that movie. Production budget for Silver Linings Playbook, $21 million. Domestic gross, 132, uh, just over 132. Worldwide, just over $236 million. With an average ticket price that year of $7.96, same year as Perks of Being a Wallflower. With a, and came up with a BSI 16.6 .6 million, so more than uh, two fight clubs. Final movie is Wonder, came out November 17, 2017, 113 minutes long by Same director. Now, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, not, I'm not familiar with it. Uh, I haven't it, seen it. And actually, you've seen the, you've, I assure you, you've seen the commercials for it. Uh, a very young man, a young young boy who has a bit of a facial deformity, but he's, he's kind of quirky. Yeah. And he walks around with a space helmet all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah, and it has I know the commercial. Uh, uh, Owen Wilson is, I yeah. think, either his dad or his stepdad. I don't remember that movie. That movie. That's the movie. That's Wonder. And production budget of twenty million dollars. Mm -hmm. Domestic gross one hundred and thirty-two point four million. So it made its money back tenfold, and or, or yeah. not, not quite tenfold, but it made its money back worldwide three hundred and six million. Average ticket price in 2017, $8.97. So it has a BSI of $14.8 million. Two fight clubs. And if we're looking down the list, that all the other comparisons right here, that Parks of Being a Wildflower, while it did get some heat in terms of awards and stuff, mm -hmm. did not bring in a lot of butts and seats into the theater. At I, least in 2012. I have a theory... That the longer the movie title, it's just a theory, I'm sure we could find evidence and look for it, but the longer the movie title, or the more kind of obscure and long the movie title, the less it draws. So they should have just called it Perks? I mean, you know, <laughs> Wallflower. I don't know. I, have not, I, don't, uh, I don't know what, you should have called it the Perks of Being <clears throat> Wallflower, of course, but I'm just saying, I, it's just a theory. Yeah. Alright, a little deep dig. So the I think before yeah, oh, we oh, move yeah, on, you, something. you are just cruising along, along. What we but there's do. stuff here on the table. Yeah, so one, we've every been, now and then. We've been uh, sipping on yes. a little, little, little bit of whiskey from my flask as I stole it from my dad's liquor cabinet. Your like, dad has Because I'm a wallflower. Your dad always has the best steal his liquor, and he didn't whiskey. even know, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got a little Macallan uh, 12. Yep. McAllen 12. Just sip it. Just a little sip. Just, sip. just a little sip of McAllen 12. Uh, and, uh, you know, we used to just have like a mound of drugs in the middle of the table. We did years ago that in was season many, three. Yeah, but for was, the duration of season three, every time we had was, one of these. The mound was still there. There was a giant mound of drugs I'm that we were doing. But we Somebody came into the lair and left them for us. I don't know. Yeah. But. Uh, it's become a bit of a tradition yeah. that the the person who nominates the movie will send us a like a, a bribe, gift, a, a, <laughs> definitely a, a, bribe a bribe, a bribe gift. And I see two things here on the table. There's, There's an a envelope and a box. Envelope, uh, Amazon Prime envelope. So, open that bad boy. But if I can, I'm, I'm not good at opening envelopes here. So, and the nominate and the vote goes to. Oh, oh. oh there we go. What do you got there? 
complete have. These are from Jeremy. Oh, of course, right here. What do you got? I've got packets that in it contain seeds, which if planted will grow flowers. Flowers! Yay! We got lavender, oh, lemon balm, echinacea, chamomile, mint. Mint! Oh, this is Thank you. We, there's also a box here, and I'm opening this. Yes, that is a box being box opened. Right now. All right, in here's a little packing material. Let's see what we have here. It's a mystery wrapped in an enigma, surrounded by another enigma. In a, in a riddle burrito. In a riddle burrito. Okay, hold on. Set that aside. All right, opening, opening the box. Has a label on it, but it's I'm like old. A Russian nesting I'm doll. I'm old and I can't read it. <laughs> it has microprint on the label. All right, let's see it. There's a big foam liner, so it must be something delicate and breakable in here. When I open the foam, I get ooh, pretty. These are planter glasses. It's a. It is a blown. There's two glass uh, planter. With a flat side, so you could hang it against the wall or a window or something. A wall. They're wallflowers. Get it? Mm -hmm. And you hang this on the wall, and then you would plant your flowers. And you can see them grow. This is beautiful. These are beautiful. And there's two of them. Look at that. They have a nice rope hanger that goes through a, a hole in each side of the blown glass. Aren't those pretty? Here, they take are a look very at pretty. I like them. And they go on the wall. They go on the wall. For the flowers. For the flowers. And I'm not you, sure how that connects to some, the movie. And and there's perks that oh. we're given mm -hmm. of having these wall flowers. These are awesome. I, I like know, them again, very much. Don't know how it connects to it's the movie in, at all. I don't I yeah. I mean I don't see the connection <laughs> directly. Oh, hold on. There's a little thing. There's a little thing in a wrapper here, a separate little Oh, these are the hooks that go on the wall. Very nice. Thank nice. you very much, Jeremy. Thank you so much. These appreciate are really, really cool. I like very that. much appreciate I like that. Awesome. All right, let's pack them back up in styrofoam and save them. Excelente. Okay. <clears throat> so thank you, Jeremy. Let's uh let's get into a little deep dig here. Excerpts Jeremy's from his Jeremy's nomination, some experts. Excerpts from his expert nomination. Yes. Film and TV has rarely gotten mental health right or honestly even been respectful to the reality of living and loving someone who is severely mentally ill. That is why when a film came along with a main character whose trauma manifested in a similar way to how I felt, it hit me like a freight train and felt like something really special. That's why I'm nominating The Perks of Being a Wallflower for Pantheon Consideration. Chabosky. Chabosky. Who wrote the novel? The novel version of Perks acts as the writer, producer, and makes his directorial debut with this film. The script, I think, is absolutely excellent. And Chobsky was nominated up and down the independent film circuit for this adaptation. It expertly breaches both teen angst as well as the cycle of trauma and its effects on mental health. Chabosky expertly fits these traits into Charlie. Mm -hmm. He's an overly sensitive kid, and it really comes through. He also makes Sam and Patrick feel highly relatable. I know I knew these kids in high school, and I bet you did too. I also would never guess this was Chabosky's first time directing. 
There were some really cool shots, particularly the tunnel scene and the scene where Patrick kisses Charlie, the muted colors when we're seeing things from Charlie's perspective. So the acting is another really high point. Logan Lerman is by far the standout for me. I'm already way over on my review and I haven't even touched on music, set, or character design, all of which I think are great. At the end of the day, great films can be a lot of things. I like films that are mind-bending, films that are unapologetic, unapologetically fun, are full of drama, or just action-packed. That said, sometimes a film comes along that speaks to you in a way that reflects something within you, allows you to evaluate it from a distance, and helps you walk through it in your own life. These are tough for Pantheon because we're all different, but for me, Perks is one of those films I'm excited for you all to watch. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. And and I think that in his uh, in his write up in his review, he touches on some of the very same points that we kind of briefly talked about earlier. This this uh, this reaches him in his soul somewhere, right? It resonates with him, and it and it makes him feel something special. It's there are so many movies that haven't made it into Pantheon, but they resonated with me deeply, not just because they're from my childhood, but because they dealt with issues that I dealt with, or because they... they you saw yourself in the I, characters. I saw myself, or... which I see myself in the characters anyway, but when I see myself as a character, that's one thing, but when I see that the character is actually me, that's a whole different yeah. scenario. It's a lot harder to turn your mind away from that kind of movie. Um, and I would say Footloose is one of those movies, you know, I... I, I went to a little small little country town and I felt like the outsider. I wasn't quite like Kevin Bacon, but you know what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, and so for me, you know, that sort of thing really resonated. This is clearly something that resonates deeply. I've uh, seen pictures of you in high school and you look like Kevin Bacon. Uh, that is what I was told, but I did not look like Kevin Bacon. I was far more handsome in high school. Far, <laughs> far more handsome in high school. All right, let's talk about some uniqueness and challenges. How is this film unique well one of the uniquenesses that this film brings is uh that um that we have a coming of age tale and i don't know if we've talked about one of those uh in in recent history hmm. for sure if you can i don't know if you can rack your brain right now of for like a coming last, of age film of the last four years oh goodness that we've, sure that, for, that we've talked about for Pantheon. Oh, for Pantheon, I don't think so. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is yeah, that no. like like this is a subject area that has been kind of that maybe it's been dealt with, but like yeah. we're really kind of bringing this head on yeah. as a young adult yeah. teenage drama. Yeah. Um, that in addition to that, that this film very directly deals with mental health issues. It does, and it's a slow roll. Which it's not, it's it like, yeah, Taxi Driver dealt with mental, mm. mental health issues, but like... But not coming of age. But it, it wasn't the same kind of coming of age mm. and introspective finding yourself mm. uh, and coming out on the other side of it and all of that. So And some of the other, um, some of the other films that had a similar feel to me, they weren't necessarily, they were coming of age... And I don't think we've talked about for Pantheon explicitly, but that but that I've seen in the last few years, they dealt with other issues, whether it was uh, 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 sexuality or personal identity or 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 uh, uh, race issues. You know, they dealt with those issues and maybe also with teenagers, but but not like this. Yeah. And this is a this is a, this is the kind of subject that you know when I was a kid, you just didn't talk about it. You know, I'm not talking. I didn't grow up in the '50s or anything. Um, but but it was still like you didn't you just didn't talk directly yeah, about yeah, yeah. it you know 
And so uh, you certainly can now, and people do now, and bringing awareness to it is important. It's not the first film to bring awareness to mental health issues, certainly not the first coming-of-age film, but it certainly is the kind of book that I would have read in high school and then set aside because I didn't want to think about that. So this goes into the challenges of the film as well, you know, because we lump uniquenesses and challenges together. Mm -hmm. Is that one of the challenges of this film is that it is so intensely personal mm -hmm. and how it resonates, like, and we talked about mm -hmm. how it resonates with people and that we're all different, that it can be kind of a crapshoot as a nomination because, you know, if it doesn't resonate with enough people on the council, right, then it's not going to, it's not going to get in. It's not going to get in. Um, and then also the challenge is that there are more than one coming of age tale movies that are out there. And we have already mentioned a number of them. A bunch of them. And, um, if you're looking at it as kind of a best of its genre, then for council members weighing this, that they might say, no, I like the movie, but was it extra? Was it special? Mm -hmm. Was it the best mm -hmm. of the best for young adult, mm -hmm. coming of age, uh, introspective, mental health, whatever whatever you want to... Right. Yeah. So You know, something that it, it, it surprised me when I, when I realized what I was watching, um, and it is a, a bit of a uniqueness, in that, uh, you know, he comes into this high school, feels like an outsider, he's not a part of the in crowd. And when he gets welcomed into a crowd, your first thought is, oh, okay, so I know this story. He gets welcomed into the A-list crowd and brought in, and then they realize he's not an A-lister, and then I I'm predicting what's going to happen. He then gets shunned from the A-list. No, he was welcomed into the dweebs, dorks, and extras crowd. Yep. Like, they saw him coming. And said, oh, look, one of ours. And then he did something Drew to pull right himself in. out of that it. He, well, he it was did. on his own. He did. Yeah. He did. But on the other hand. And then uh, they brought him they back brought in. They back yeah, in because so, they're like, oh, yeah. no, no, no. He's one of us. And, and that that arc was not expected. I didn't expect that arc. Yeah. Um, I also definitely didn't expect them. And I actually, one of my one of my nitpicky things about, well, nitpicky. It's actually one of my issues with the film is their reaction of just absolutely 1,000% just shunning him was absolutely unexpected considering the crowd he was with. I mean, yeah. they all did dumb stuff, yeah. you know? But 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 that was their way of... I, I, I'm going to assume that was their way of teaching him a lesson and then before they brought him back again, I suppose, but still. So as far as uh, a particular insight mm -hmm. while watching this film is... Um, I don't mind it, and I think I heard somebody else in a comment talk about it, is um, there is this trope of when you're doing high school films that you have these high schoolers who are just so wise and so smart, and they're just, like, they see so deeply into the world and past our grown-up baloney, mm. uh, and, you know... Um, I don't know if you know high schoolers or not. Well, you know, it, it's 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 been a hot second since I had high schoolers in my house, or since I was in high school. It is definitely a willful suspension of disbelief <laughs> moment. Where it's like, okay, I've met a high schooler who every once in a while says something, and you're like, oh, 
that was interesting. But then a lot of the time you're like, oh, you're a dumbass. Yeah, what, 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 what are you talking about, dude? No, that is not yeah. how that works. You should stop saying that word. It doesn't mean what you think it means. In any case. But here's something else yeah. that I thought was interesting, and I did think about that. You're like, wait, hold on. Why do these people know so much? Why are they so more much more advanced? And it, I, I think that when he wrote it, he did it. He did an interesting little, interesting little uh, a, a trick with the storyline, in that th- they are not just three years apart, but that developmental window for kids is yeah. huge. You know what I mean? Like emotionally, they don't grow three years from freshman to senior. They tend to grow a lot. Yeah, and they 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 tend to to pick to pick up on on the this this the way to, to look at the world a little bit skewed by the time they're a senior and, yeah. and to see and maybe be a little bit suspect right when the freshmen come in all you know dewy eyed and and ready for the world and so on at least that's the that's the trope we talk about right all right let's break this down uh by and standout moments by category how about acting and casting i thought for me if I threw a number on it, 4.5 out of 5, kind of like, there were a lot of good marks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that uh, Logan gets uh, a lot of praise for having done well. Mm-hmm. But there's some times where I'm like, I I was I was hot and cold on him. Emma Watson, I just couldn't buy. Like, it, like I know other people are like, oh, finally she's doing a movie where she's not Hermione. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, but it wasn't the only one. The but, mean but girl. Right, felt like yeah, it, yeah. I was like, man. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing to me, and I, I suspect part of it was because I knew how old she is, but um, they were literally high schoolers playing high schoolers. Yeah, seventeen, eighteen. But uh, I really liked Ezra Miller. I really liked. Uh, I liked some yeah. of the adult characters. Paul Rudd was fantastic. I, I so just too. thought he was a great. And I said, John Cusack. Who at first I was like, I know that voice. Who is that? And I was like, Oh my god! Wait, John Cusack's in this movie somewhere, right? Yeah. Because does she do movies by herself? Not only has she done many movies by herself, of course, she was great. So by and large, I thought it worked. But then there was moments where, like, this wasn't like the stars all aligned. Right. There was, yeah, yeah. That's for me. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Uh, and I was going <clears> to <throat> ask you then what takes it from a five to four and a half, and and you explained that. How about directing and editing? Um, I think like as far as the movie is cut together, there's some interesting like cross shots where he's taking communion and then he's taking uh, acid, and that's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I think the tunnel scene shot like I know this is cinematography, like yeah. the front and the back, the yeah. the inclusio of it that that it's well. For me, that the movie kind of dragged at times. The movie in the middle for me dipped, and and there I was also he... like weird turns that happened. Yeah. And I know it's high school, but it was just kind of like uh, it didn't feel completely cohesive to me. One of the reviews, and and I can't recall whether it was Ebert's or not, but uh, uh, was that was that uh, you can tell that this was uh, like uh, his own love story to his own book. Yeah, the directing was his own love story to his own screenplay based on his own book. This was a very intensely personal project for him, and he wanted it to look exactly the way he wanted it to look. And you can see it, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he slaved over it to make it look good. I thought that the directing was good. I mean, sometimes for me, I don't like the directing because it feels like the director was ignoring the intent of the story. He never did. Nope. Um, and so that, I would say, is pretty tough for him to go back. So, 
I liked, for the most part, I liked the dialogue. And I don't know if this is a question of directing or screenplay. Mm. Um, Were there dialogue points that popped out at you as like, what the, what? Mm. There was some interactions that happened with other, like, folks at school where it was like, like, oh, look at that nerd who answered one question correctly. <laughs> nerd. Nerd. Uh, in, a, in a melodrama. Yeah. That yeah. would fit. But right. in this, like, it felt out of place. So, but, but, but other times, I mean, like, I, I thought there was very clever things. There was very interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think this kind of bleeds into because it's the same person, the screenplay, and the story. You know, I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about directing yeah. uh, and not talk about screenplay and story because it's the same. It's all the same artist here. Yeah. Right. And so, and I think the same things apply for me there. Um, if you were to give a number to directing uh, and editing or to screenplay and story in that four range in that four range yeah uh, like a 4.25 kind of like a now I would say on for myself cinematography and locations I thought were great I did too I, I liked not just the tunnel scene those were fabulous and it was, it was unexpected I did I for whatever reason I wasn't thinking I thought actually I thought that there was gonna be a, a tragic incident or yeah. something but no, it was she's done as many times and she's doing it now and you know watch out world because here she comes, I, and that was beautiful in the tunnel. But not just that the uh, the house they hung out at, it was fun. It was, it was a cool, cool yeah. See, like you know, like Godfather that we talked about yes. that it was immersive, right? Like the set, the sets and the the, and the, the props and the shots and flowed yeah. through this house, like right. from an entryway into an open space where cinematographer very oh, uh, yeah. was is a very yeah. long-standing excellent mm-hmm. lots of movies so the new yeah. he was doing how about score was there was there music and stuff in there that that stood out to you i liked the soundtrack i don't have i i was not paying enough attention to listen to any sort of scoring outside of the soundtrack mm-hmm. Uh, Let's put it a different way. Were there elements in the score that pulled you out of the story, or did the score keep you with the story? Well, how about so job, right? the one little qualm, and I, I read some some people also kind of like uh, were like nerd raging about the fact that somebody who loves music so much, Charlie, who's like a music fiend, wouldn't recognize David Bowie's voice, and also like. One, that he didn't know the song Heroes was by David Bowie, and also that it wasn't, he didn't know, couldn't ever find that this was David Bowie, but we're listening to Heroes by Bowie, and it was like, I've never been able to find that one song. It It wasn't like King of Spain by Moxie Fruvis. What year was this movie (laughs) taking place again? It was in the 90s. In the 90s, yeah. So they wouldn't have been able to Shazam it. Nope. Right? That's not a thing. So, you know, we, we do take this for granted. I mean, not even Shazam. You can just say to your phone, you know, my phone's it name. Is, what song is this? It and is kind of like a push your glasses up sort of. Oh, like, okay. well, you know, he would have known. That. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, 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 love so I love the heroes. Yes. I love the song. Yeah. And like there's the Smiths in there of asleep and like the soundtrack, fun soundtrack. Here's the thing about the soundtrack. It's like the soundtrack me. of depression. here's the thing about the soundtrack for me i a lot of times because it's difficult for me from the early 90s until the early 2000s it's difficult for me without seeing a a specific like let's say clothing uh trend or something like that uh or or like uh 
buildings that I know don't exist anymore kind sure. of a thing. It's difficult for me sometimes to pick out. You're like, is that Depeche Mode or is that Creed? No, 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 no. What era the film is happening in. And yeah. so and so the music is supposed to tell the story. Yeah. But these people were into music from they the were early... They to... Uh, yeah, yeah, late 70s, early, mid, and late 80s. And like Guardians of the Galaxy, awesome mixtape. Yeah, right? and so I was like, wait, is this supposed to be the 80s? They're not dressed like the 80s. And that's when it clicked. Oh, the reason why it's both depressing and there's 80s music is because it's the 90s. Yeah. That's why. That makes yeah. all the sense in the world. Okay, good. How about uh, special effects, notables... This movie didn't rely on special effects, no. so like there's not that I can uh, remember. Um, we'll say notables is the filming of the tunnel scene. Fair enough, fair enough. I and I think there was some more in there. Um, uh, you mentioned one. Uh, I realize it's actually in editing or, or directing, but I but I consider this to be something they did not have to do. But like the cut from communion to dropping acid. Yeah. The you know sometimes they would cut they would do this this weird and they did while he was on drugs that like there was a there was like was a time effect? distortion that was happening mm-hmm. yeah uh, mm-hmm. so none of none of that took me out of the film nope. but I wasn't looking for it to rate this film either and now for an X factor I think for someone like Jeremy who this film just like just just touches that heartstring right in their soul you know bing exactly there. That would be an X factor for them. It didn't do that for me personally. And it didn't do that for me. I don't have an X factor rating for it. Yeah. You know, but but I can I totally get why it would for some. But not you know, just nostalgia either. Yeah. Real life resonance. Well, and we've talked about this, you and me before, of like certain uh, 80s era films that that you've got like Breakfast Club mm. or St. Elmo's Fire yeah. and that beyond the nostalgia that you had connected mm-hmm. with individuals in it and you had that resonant frequency yep. and it yep. was so this movie then taught you about life in yourself mm-hmm. in ways that you wouldn't have got otherwise right which is i think what happens in this movie for other people is that it taught them about themselves and life in ways that they wouldn't have got otherwise or it was cathartic i agree yeah all right, let's talk about some awards. Uh, did this movie win or was nominated for any awards? 19 wins, 50 nominations, a lot of different places, including like Teens Award and that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. a Spirit Award. Uh, this uh, featured a, a gay character. Oscar so nominations? I didn't see any on the list, but it did get a People's Choice Award for Favorite Dramatic, dramatic Movie. Excellent. So, a little bit of trivia about this movie. In Entertainment Weekly, Emma Watson reported she took the role because Stephen Chbosky told her that not only is this going to be one of the most important parts you play, you're also going to have the summer of your life and meet some of your best friends. She also reported that that claim came true. So, this next one, I didn't look up the veracity of it. Mm -hmm. So, I can't tell you, Mm -hmm. like... But I saw this topic on a number of different sites. I yeah. don't know if they're echoing each other, but I know that it has been discussed more than once, and I mentioned it earlier. I'll let you go with it. That's fine. Uh, John Hughes originally bought the film rights with she the intention to write okay. and direct. He intended to make the film as a dark comedy with Shia LaBeouf set to play Charlie, Kirsten Dunst slated to play Sam, and Patrick Fugit as Patrick. Uh, Hughes' sudden death stalled the project as he'd not completed the script before his passing, which allowed the film to be revived as an independent movie with Chbosky 
returning to write and direct. It would have been a very different movie. A very different movie. It might have been a, a another good movie, but just it would be a very different movie. It would have been different. Uh, so when the family's eating dinner at the end of the movie, Charlie asks his dad how he thinks the penguins will do this year. His dad replies that they will suck and need to learn defense. The penguins <laughs> went on to win their first Stanley Cup that, that year. year. <laughs> uh, Mr. Anderson, Paul Rudd, gives Charlie a number of books. The books include... Yeah, uh, hold on. Mr. Anderson, for those uh, who don't remember, is the English teacher who keeps giving Charlie these books to extend his, his, yeah. uh, his, his, his uh, repertoire. So uh, he gave him *The Stranger* by Albert Camus. I've written, I've read st- stuff by Camus in terms of the myth of Sisyphus. Is that the one where you sit on your hand? Yeah, that's kind of like that. Okay. It's about a guy who commits murder who's oh, a stranger uh, on the road by Jack Kerouac. I haven't. I, I think I've read parts of this, but I haven't read all of it. Mm. Uh, *The Great Gatsby* was assigned to me in high school, and many, I definitely, definitely read, read the F. Times. Scott Fitzgerald movie. To Kill a Mockingbird, 1960, by Harper Lee. I directed this in college. Yeah. I directed play? Uh, uh, the play, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. It's an excellent, excellent book and uh, uh, play. A Separate Piece, Unfamiliar, 1959, by John Knowles. Uh, Walden, 1854, by Henry David Thoreau. And Thoreau is one of my f- academic heroes. I mm-hmm. love him to death. Uh, and so, as well as uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, a contemporary. Catcher in the Rye, 1951, by J.D. Salinger. And I have read this one. I don't know. Have you read that I one? I have. And in fact, uh, some friends and I actually put together a take on The Catcher in the Rye, a more modern take on it, and put it on as a mini play for an English class project. I so want to have been there. For that. I can't recall if it was any good, but I know we got a B. I remember the B of being upset <laughs> it was, about it. It was it was a solid B. I was frustrated. We worked very hard. Uh, Brad had mentioned Mr. Callan Mr. Callan and Tom Savini because he likes uh, horror movies. That the shop teacher Mr. Callan is a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he's played by Tom Savini, uh, who. Also went on to do legendary special effects art as an artist for horror movies. It was, uh, by the way, this film that convinced Zack Snyder to cast Ezra Miller, in the, Ezra Miller in the role of Barry Allen, The Flash, in Justice League 2017. Wow. Nice. In the original novel, the song heard in the tunnel is actually Landslide, performed by Fleetwood Mac, but Stephen Chbosky changed it to Heroes by Bowie in order to bring the scene more emotional impact. All right, voting time. Well, let's talk about uh, the votes that are out there. Uh, Jeremy Clifford is, uh, well, the nominator, so yes. And uh, we've got a, a number of no's already, and you can read through the Facebook uh, yeah. sheet on this of, of their answers for it, and none of them... None of them came out and said I hated this movie. No, I, I, that well, I mean, most of them I don't think came out and said I. The, yeah. Many of these were, I liked the movie, but yeah, um, and it's kind of like this movie for me is a four out of five, and it just didn't push it over. Didn't open. push over the edge. So when we've got no's from Brandon, from Matthew, from Kyle, from Brad, and for the first time ever in his. Life. Wait, Captain Yes is a yeah Adam. 
Adam is it a no. yes man? Is Adam Cro Macho Cro Macho said no this time. No, so we, we don't he popped have, his cherry. Yeah. Is no cherry. He we don't have movie. votes from April Hawkins or Rachel or Nathan yet, and we don't have one from the guests. We do the Facebook. That's me. But you but haven't I will said give it, it to you yet. today. Yeah, Facebook poll is currently at a yes at a, like a three to one ratio of thirty two. To a thirty-two yes to eleven no. With twenty-five haven't watched, so no, and three need to watch. And those don't count in the in the wing. It's just yeses and nos. And and I, I, I hate to break it to our listeners what? at this point. No, no, as well as you, that if what? you're counting along at this point. Well, hold on, hold on. How many yeses does it need? It needs seven yeses. So it has two right now. But, yeah, it currently has five no's. Eleven. Oh, so it can only get up to six yeses. Oh, so this movie is already out of consideration. That's that's actually too bad. It doesn't mean it's the end for this movie. Nope. There's another. There's multiple other ways that it can get in the pantheon, uh, but but not through this voting process. So, like, and this is this is because we're recording later on. In, we are normally we recording like the first week, maybe yeah. even the first few days. But this one, this one, this one had a number of no's. Uh, but it, it'll it'll have at least two yeses. Yeah, uh, that's true. Our first time around the block with Jeremy was when he no- nominated Dear Zachary, a letter from a father oh, yeah. to his son, yeah. and that ended up at two out of a ele- two two yes two, two yeses eleven. eleven. So we'll we'll see what happens with the remainder, but. Um, we can we can already predict not predict we can we can, can ascertain mathematically ascertain yeah that this movie won't get in so let me tell you where I am on this and and I realize that my vote may not change the end result however um, one thing that came to me as I was uh, reviewing this my f- my first instinct when I watched the movie was <sighs> yeah I'm I I get the message I follow it I see. Characters that I like in here very much so, but but uh, I was struggling with it. And then as I went back and reviewed it, started looking at my what do I think about direction, what do I think about editing, and so on and so forth. It dawned on me that it was sitting at a yes. It was sitting at a yes, and all it really needed was like an X factor or something else to push it over the top. And I'll tell you what pushed it over the top for me. It was a soundtrack. I I enjoy the music in this film. Once. I, I was telling you that I was trying to figure out whether this was an 80s movie or mm-hmm. early 2000s movie, and that was a 90s movie. Once that clicked in my head, the music he picked, including the switch to Heroes for the tunnel scene, was great. Yeah. And so for me, I say yes. I realize that that doesn't put it into Pantheon. I'm the opposite vote of Pantheon votes often. Yeah, So and, so, and for me, that this movie... Is a fence sitter, mm. but it's it it doesn't push it over the edge for me. It is a fence sitter. It is sitting on the fence, not it not it is offense. It's not offensive. No. Yeah, no, not, not that. So for me, it's a no. Okay. Um, but I see that. I get it. I will say this, uh, and this kind of like brings us to to wrapping up. Yes. This is, this movie does bring up a very important topic. It does. Um, that I will say for myself in high school, 
that mm. there was at least a moment where now I wasn't necessarily as depressive or as traumatized as somebody like Charlie, but I did have uh, some moments for myself where it dark got moments. really dark. Mm. And there was at least a moment where I was like, if I just pull into traffic, yeah. I can solve all, all my problems. And like in my head. I'm with like you. It's like, uh, and that, you those know. kind of thoughts sometimes flash through and flash out quick. Um, you know, I've, I, there was a time period, it wasn't in high school, where I had thoughts like that, which is just a really rough financial and yeah. emotional time in my family. And, you know, so many things outweighed it almost instantly uh, of, of all the people, my, my kids and my wife and, you know, all the stuff, the people that I love in my life. But, but yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Uh, I, I think, though, that when people are really, truly dealing with these issues, it doesn't just happen like that in a flash. Wow. It builds and builds. And I'll say this, that like, and I'll throw in that my very... Now, I've been teaching for many years, since 2002. I've mm -hmm. taught college classes mm -hmm. at various places, uh, thousands of students, uh, not, not tens of thousands like you, but the um, somebody who was a student of mine, who became a friend of mine, who was a, a ray of sunshine, honest to goodness, and be, was, uh, I would say, without even being hyperbolizing on this, my favorite student mm -hmm. that I've ever had that we kept up on Facebook and then a couple years after the fact things were weird on Facebook and then finally I sent a message and the uh, that her wife had said mm -hmm. to me uh, no Whitney killed herself yeah she 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 taken her life and it, it it cut me to the core, and I and I was like, oh man, if she only knew how much we loved her, and and and, and her wife had responded, if being loved would have saved her, she'd still be here today. Yeah, because that was everyone it. loved her. Yeah, that wasn't it, and it wasn't it. So something that's very important for people to be aware of: there's a national hotline, suicide prevention hotline, which is. Uh, one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. However, there's a national uh, a lifeline that's been designated as a three-digit dialing code that routes callers directly to this lifeline. It actually starts this calendar year, July sixteenth, twenty twenty-two, and it's just nine eight eight. Nine eight eight. You don't need to know an eight hundred number, or ten digits, yep. any of those things. Nine eight eight. I've had experiences with my students who I don't know that they were, you know, on the verge of this because you don't know what's going on, obviously, even people that you feel like you know really well. Um, but something as simple as uh, 988 would have made a big difference potentially. Yeah. Now, Charlie was able to call his sister and she was able to hear what was going on and she called the cops and sent the cops yep. to her house which is the right thing to do yep. in a situation like this. Yeah, what's the worst case? She's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. The um so it's a so we just wanted to mention that today. Yeah. National Suicide Prevention Hotline 800-273-8255 reach out to them, reach out to someone, reach out to us, mm -hmm. whatever. Whatever. Um that there's there's somebody who will listen. Um one thing that we didn't mention in all of this mm. that was 
there was an element of the film that really did hit me in the gut and I wasn't expecting it almost like an M. Night Shyamalan twist okay. was when and I wasn't sure what was happening while we were watching where Emma had put her hand on Charlie's leg and all of a sudden he started having these flashbacks to that hand on the leg hand on the leg hand on the leg and then we started getting the film the 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 the, the, the flashbacks to his, to his aunt who had sexually abused him and yeah. uh that was legitimately was a gut punch while I was watching it. Where it's like not what I was you like, would expect. Right? I was not. I was, like it was like a sixth sense he moment for me. About her where, as his favorite aunt and all yeah. this. Yeah. Um, so the uh, and 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 the trauma that's involved with that mm-hmm. is real. Yes. Uh, for this character and but in real um, life, and and there are people who struggle with that. So we just wanted to let you know. Uh, that this is an important feature of this uh, National Suicide Prevention Hotline as well, if you're ever dealing with that. Okay. Well, as always, I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's conversation. Where can Videoland find you? You're going to find me on Facebook. And myself, Facebook. You're going to find me there. Also, uh, you'll find Adventures in Videoland on Instagram at Adventures in Videoland. But uh, the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. You've been listening to Criticism in its Finest Hour. Until next time, Videolanders. This one moment when you know you're not a sad story. You are alive and you stand up and you see the lights on the buildings and everything that makes you wonder. And you're listening to that song and that drive with the people you love the most in this world. And in this moment, I swear, we are infinite. Oh, and one more thing. We We love you. you.